0: Some mothers will do anything for their children, and then there are the mothers who will do anything for their children.
1: You're listening to Old Timey Crimey, crimes from the golden age of yesteryear. Now, here are your hosts, Christy, Amber, and Scott.
0: timey crimey i'm christy i'm scott and i'm amber and we are here once again with you this week to bring you your weekly dose of historical crime from the battle days uh but first real quick let's do some rays of light um amber you go first
2: you know i don't think i had anything good happen to me this week (laughs) i'm sorry
1: jesus that was (laughs) dark man fuck Right out it's, of the fucking gate.
2: It has been a rough, rough week. Um, I did get new tires that came at a cost, but um, one of, I had a a bubble on one of my tires, which means it's a, about to blow out. And uh again, shout out to cells because I called them and they're like, bring it up tonight. Like they're amazing. I love them so much. Um, but they they do like to make fun of me a lot for the damage I do to vehicles. Um, but. <laughs> but um so yeah i was it only took a day that i didn't have a car this time but this is the third time in a month that my car has been in the shop
0: that is brutal
2: i'm so over it (laughs) i can't blame you but i hopefully knock on wood um this will be the last time and then we go on vacation in nine more days so uh looking forward to it i bet
1: (laughs) christy what's your ray of light
2: My ray of light, um,
0: okay, it was going to be that I got my first allergy shot in three months this week. Um, But actually, I'm going to do something I don't normally do. Normally, if I donate money to something, I don't really talk about it uh, too much. It's just kind of a thing where I feel like it takes some of the good out of it if you talk about it. But in this case, I feel like it could encourage people, maybe. I don't know. If anybody looks up to me, I'm pretty sure most of you look down on me, but that's okay. Um, So, I I donated with a I'm mostly joking <laughs> I have an inferiority sim, superiority complex it's weird it's complicated I, I have a therapist so uh, <laughs> I donated to the leadership conference on civil and human rights and I just like to encourage everybody uh, to do something you know whether it be going out into the community and helping other people whether it be donating money whatever you can do whatever's within your reach It really is, uh, it's a good feeling and it's good to uh, connect and help others out in the world in any way we can. And so I just wanted to encourage you, uh, if you are new to donating to charity, there's a great site called Charity Navigator. Uh, So yeah, charitynavigator.org and they give you ratings on different uh, charities. And so you basically, it's good to know that your money isn't going straight to some CEO's pocket, you know? Indeed. Yeah. Indeed. So that is my ray of light. And how about you, Scott?
1: Uh, I got two, I got two. Uh, my buddy Xavier, uh, him and I, we wrote a, a series together, a television series. And Xavier is currently in the process of shopping it around. So hopefully Ooh. hopefully, Ooh. In, in a little while, you'll see a TV series called Cal Exit. Uh, we, are, we are in the process of shopping that around. Uh, also, I got uh, I got word that I'll be going back to the office in September, so I've put up a little goalpost for myself that I will quit my job by September. Um, <laughs> I am going I am going to go out for voice acting work. Uh, nice. I am going to make it a goal. I'm going to do at least one thing every day to get me closer to this goal. I have set up a Voices.com account. Uh, I am doing research. I am going to look into taking some classes online. And this Tuesday, a photographer friend of mine in the morning will be doing headshots for a promo pack to go up on Voices.com.
2: I was going to say, you should also work on your farting skills.
1: Yes. I don't have that elasticity to my anus. Practice. No. It's funny,
0: <laughs> it's funny that you need a headshot for voice work.
1: Yes. <laughs> it the, is funny. The com. They do need a headshot. And I am looking into a management agency. I am going to take this as seriously as ass cancer. <laughs> All right. Well, you
0: guys, that's fantastic, Scott. I am really proud of you for thank for you. making that goal and taking steps to get there
1: thank you uh, in
0: the meantime you guys have given me nothing to work with for a segue so i'm just gonna dive right in if that's all right
1: you know like ass cancer. you know whenever you're in a uh in a in a booth with a recording a voice thing it's important that you don't smell so you should probably use soap
0: <laughs> that is true somebody who had a very strong <laughs> interest in soap Was Leonardo Gianciulli. Now, we're going to start just real quick in Italy in 1940, and then we're going to rewind. So, all right, Italy, 1940. Police are investigating multiple disappearances of women that are, they're they're assuming that they're murdered, but they, they don't know yet. They don't have any bodies. And they think they have their culprit, a young man. So they interrogate him. They badger him. They're asking him, where are the bodies? Where are the bodies? And he has no idea. He, he, he knows absolutely nothing about any of this. And, of course, they think he's just putting them on. But he really honestly doesn't.
1: I like to think then, he was, like, kind of just sitting there going, like, as they're going, like, where are the bodies? Where are the bodies? And he looks at him and goes, where are the bodies? Where are the bodies? That's what you sound like. Shut up. <laughs> oh, no.
0: So then his mother shows up. And she insists to the police that she's going to confess to the murders. And the police just kind of humor her. It's kind of sweet that she'd try to take the fall for her son, and they're they're just giving each other tolerant little smiles, like, oh look at the look at the mom. She's trying to, you know, fall for the Yeah, it's not gonna work, but we'll we'll let her talk. And she talks, and it's heartwarming really in its own way that a mother would do anything for her son until she starts going into detail and it gets less heartwarming and more gruesome and they slowly realized that maybe they had the wrong guy this bitch ain't bacon <laughs> this bitch ain't bacon so let's talk about we're going to talk about more than leonardo cinculli's early life we're going to talk about before she was even born but she was born in 1894 in montella in the province of Avellino in the south of Italy. Uh, It was a small town. The population is only around 7,000 now, so I don't imagine it was very much then. This town is home to the convent of St. Francis at Filoni. In 1221, apparently St. Francis uh, came by the town and was looking for shelter, but nobody would house him because they feared leprosy, and so he and his his followers, they they slept under a tree. The tree sheltered them from the snow, and so they built a, a convent there because... So uh, this is the town where Leonardo Cianciulli's mother, uh, Amelia DeNolfi, I did see her called Serafina in one place. I don't know how you get from Amelia to Serafina. I, I, how?
1: It was Maybe a man that name?
0: wasn't
2: listening. <laughs> yeah.
0: No, she's. We don't have an exact age for her. It, it's 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 said that she was of about the age to get married, so mid to late teens. She's pretty. She's from a good family. She had a good dowry, which of course was important in those days. And uh, along comes this man called Mariano Cianciulli. He is not of her status in society, and he is not happy about that. He starts getting obsessed with her. He starts stalking her. And then one night when she's on her way home from a dinner party, he pulls her into the bushes and he rapes her.
1: Ah, oh, Christ. And it gets worse. It gets. Oh, yes, it gets worse. It gets it's worse. appallingly worse. Like a lot of people would go rape as bad as it's going to get. No, because of backwards fucking culture. It gets worse.
0: Exactly. Of course, we're in Italy. I don't think everyone in Italy is Catholic, but back then, I'm pretty sure just about everybody in Italy was Catholic. And she, of course, is afraid of her family's reaction to what's been done to her, but she can't hide it forever because guess what?
1: She's up the spout. She's up
0: the spout. She is pregnant, so it becomes known. Her parents are furious. They she won't tell them who it is she just gives them the bare minimum and they are saying we're gonna go and we're gonna visit every single suitor you have had and we're gonna find out who did this to you and so finally she's she's this is gonna be hugely humiliating that's so embarrassing i mean we thought our parents embarrassed us when we were teenagers dear god yeah
1: this is oh fuck yeah this is bad
0: Yeah, so all that pressure leads her to tell them Mariano Ciancioli's name, and so they summoned his family to their home, and I'm sure she was, I'm sure all the blood just dropped right out of her face when her parents said, you have to marry her.
1: Marry your rapist.
0: Exactly. It's horrifying. It's absolutely horrifying. And is
1: it is it any wonder this poor woman? Not not to spoil anything, but it it is an important part of her youth. She tries to commit suicide twice. Well, Leonardo does. Yeah. But uh, I
0: wouldn't. I would. I wouldn't have. uh, I wouldn't have denied uh,
2: poor Amelia
0: that. I mean, honestly. Yeah. Well. Miserable. And you know
2: what uh, amelia did better than i would have because that's grounds for murder as far as i'm concerned yeah um, absolutely yeah yeah he would you he sh- would have been dead before the baby was born if that were me i'm just
0: saying if there were justice in the world honestly we would be talking about the murder of mariano g and julie
1: honestly, right honestly there i i am not pro death penalty <clears throat> but whenever you're a rapist whenever you're a child molester I am willing to say pro death penalty in those two choices. At least a murderer, <clears throat> excuse me, at least a murderer has the decency to take their victim off this earth. I say death penalty for child molesters, death penalty for rapists, because it gives the victim some closure.
0: I mean, I don't know if you can ever truly have closure, but it's still, it's. I'm not necessarily pro death penalty for any cases because it's so irrevocable, but it's it's definitely a damn sight better than having to marry the bastard
1: see as as long as that person's alive, I get the feeling like there is there is no there is just no peace for you there is no peace for you and well no that's that's survivors of rape can find peace even
0: that per- if that person is alive i i would I would argue with that because that i think you're 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 maybe not giving the human spirit enough credit.
1: Maybe, maybe. Maybe I'm not. Maybe I'm. Maybe I'm just like, have my eyes open. I've been looking around for the past six months. <laughs> <laughs> That's a whole different thing.
0: So, all right. So they have to get married, and it's this just this quick, really secret ceremony. And by the time they get married. And say the vows, that's the first time she's spoken to him since the night he raped her. I mean, oh, mm. dear God. Mm. It's truly appalling. So he is unemployed, and her family basically just turns her out with him. Their new home is a complete dump. There's no furniture. They have, and remember, she's coming from some luxury. Her, her family was of nobility, and or at least close to it. And they, they have an outdoor bathroom they have to share with the neighbors, that sounds about That's right my for mayor. that time.
1: That, that sounds about right for that time, honestly. But it's
0: not what she's used to.
1: Right.
2: Now, um. I'm assuming he didn't get the dowry, if this is where they're living. <laughs> I'm just... Or or he did, and he spent it on something stupid because he's a selfish asshole. That's also a possibility. So keeping in mind, like I said, she's she's from
0: the upper class. She's been waited on all her life. She doesn't really know how to keep house. When she leaves the house dirty or doesn't do as good of a job as he thinks she should, he thinks that it's her being spiteful or she's just being rebellious, so he's determined to knock her straight. And knock her he does. He slaps her around all the time, he beats her up, and she has no one to go to. She's been cast out by her family and her friends because, according to all of them, this is all her fault for not resisting sexual desire. God yep. damn it. I know, right? I mean, that, it's the worst kind of victim blaming because it, it does like so many bad things. It, it victim blames, you know, it makes it all her fault. And then it makes the rape seem like something that she wanted.
1: There, there have been times. There have been times whenever I've been with somebody and they go, you know what? I'm not in the mood. And I go, how can it be? You have eyes. Look at me. But at that point, like, I'm not going to force myself on somebody because that's no damn fun. You know, and number two, I got a hand. Hell, I got two if I want to get really nuts. But I need, you know, that other hand to, like, hold the tablet. That's where my porn is.
0: This guy was a messed up guy who wanted to. He resented her higher status in society and her having everything. And he... So he wanted to pull her down to his level, and he did it violently and horribly.
1: It's it's a fucking uh, it's a fucking power trip. That's all it is. It's a power trip. He, oh,
0: certainly, yeah. So into this very unhappy household, Leonardo Cianciulli is born on April eighteenth, eighteen ninety four. And I wish I could say that Amelia took comfort in her child, but considering the circumstances, that there, there's so many conflicting emotions there really amelia just sees leonarda as a representation of this hellish life she's living she's like well here is the result of all of this horror that's dragged me down these past nine months and she does not uh treat the child well the family they live on donations mostly they get the that they get from the church uh which amelia is not fond of that they move around a lot because they keep on getting kicked out of one home and then another. It's basically it's 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 poverty. It's it's how it, it tends to work. Um, and there, there's no stability. It, it's a rough life. And uh, Amelia, she, she beats her daughter. She's constantly criticizing her. She, I think, could be as I think her words could be as stinging as her hands. could, honestly.
1: God, that breaks my heart. That honestly breaks. Anytime that I see someone hitting their kid, I, I kinda wanna hit them back.
0: Oh me yeah, me I too. absolutely do.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: So at least there is this we have uh Mariano died when Leonardo was two or three years old. He was a pretty bad alcoholic. He actually it was three days before Amelia even went looking for him because he would he would be gone on benders and she was like, Well, he's just off on a bender and by day three she was like I suppose I'll go look for him. And so she finds him uh, at a friend's house. He had gotten a fever and then slipped into a coma. Nobody called any doctors for it, both because there was no money for it and because why, you know? Like, why? (laughs) Good, (laughs) fucking die. Fucking die. (laughs) And that's basically what (laughs) Amelia did. She just brought him home and she was just like, tossed him in the bed. She was like, eh, all right, we'll just wait this out. And wait it out. She did, and he died. And... When he was buried, she stayed at the grave until all the mourners had left the cemetery uh, and then she spat on his grave.
1: Spat. I think (laughs) think that P should probably be an H.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So she actually expected that after all this happened, her family would take her back in, but that was not the case. So she starts looking for a new man to take care of her in the process of this she's really neglecting leonarda uh, and you know leonarda's basically left to fend for herself this this toddler but the whole finding a new man thing doesn't go how she expects basically people look at her as uh, men look at her as either a one night stand or the men that uh, you know the basically the, the men that could marry her are single and remain are basically just like castoffs of society and she doesn't want that so she eventually does find a man uh, who can bring in some money, but boy, can he ever spend it too. And Leonardo's neglect just gets worse. The abuse gets worse. And before she was even a teenager, as Scott mentioned, she attempted suicide and then she attempted it again at 13. Um, she will just go ahead and say that uh, her not tying skills were not uh, good enough for the, for
1: the job. So that's Fuck. good thing.
2: She wasn't a boy scout. was it really
1: was it really a good thing
2: well i
0: mean up until a certain point until about 1939 uh, but Leonardo gets to marrying age and amelia is actually really enjoying this time period because she can basically you know dine on the fruits of having a daughter who is of a noble line uh she may not have the most uh, upright, immediate family, but, the, you know, everybody still knows that she comes from, uh, you know, Amelia's bloodline, and that's still pretty desirable. She's pretty in demand, so Amelia's just taking her time. She's making sure she gets all the lunches and wine and flowers she can out of this, because it was basically, I think, the courting process was largely the parents, and especially, if you know, you have a child who's in demand,
2: you you get a lot of gifts, you know, <laughs> so... <laughs> so i have a question though so like during all this the grandparents just didn't want anything to do with her
0: yeah totally as far as i know that the grandparents had no involvement in in her life what a shame yeah i know it's really it's really sad that you know in, in some cultures at some times i'm certainly not saying italian is like this now but in some cultures at some times family it, Is spouted as so important, and the you know, the the, it's a huge part of the fabric of society. And then it's like, oh, but something bad happened to one of our family members. Well, we're going to blame it on them, and we're never going to speak to them or their daughter again.
2: So, well, like I know that there are still cultures that exist though that if you do something that the family sees as an embarrassment, even if you were just the victim in it, um, it embarrasses the family, and you're pretty much just kicked out of the family yeah yeah
0: it's really it's really really sad uh so in 1914 leonardo is about 20 and this whole you know amelia's attempts to get her married off she hasn't been communicating any of this to leonardo and as a result leonardo's just like well fuck this i'm 20 i'm I'm like one month away from being an old maid in my culture so i'll just go out and i'll do it on my own i'll find a guy and she does. She finds Raphael Ponsardi. He is a government clerk. Uh, he doesn't, it doesn't make a ton of money, but it's a stable job, essentially. It'll be a stable life, which isn't really something that she has had up until this point. She tells her mom, and uh, Amelia just dismisses her outright, but doesn't bother. You know, She says, no, no, you're not marrying him, but she never bothers saying, I'm working on it. I'm, I'm on this. Just let me take care of it. She just says, no, you're not marrying him, and then moves on with her life. So Leonardo's like, well, I guess I'll move on with my life. And she does go and get married to Raphael
1: without her mother there. At that point, they had apparently the uh, they planned for her to marry a different man.
0: Yeah, they definitely wanted somebody a little higher up uh, in society. And I, I don't know if they had one guy in mind, but they certainly had a bunch that they were looking at, probably, so that Amelia could, you know, like, get that free lunch. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Ride them coattails! So- yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> exactly. So, Leonardo comes home to get her things, and her- here is a really... a breaking moment in her life. Her mother curses her marriage now this seems like such a small thing to us if, if if somebody came up to you and said i curse your marriage you would laugh in their face and say okay go go talk to somebody else or something because that's that we don't believe in any of that but superstition was a big part of their lives then and she had grown up with it so to her this curse was real. This was reality. As soon as her, those words left her mother's mouth, her life and her marriage
1: were doomed. Just, I'm sure there was something to do with salt and pig fat and hanging shit <laughs> over a door. This all could have been solved right then and there.
0: Yeah. For her, one part of it was that it finally really drove it home. My mother hates me if she will say those words to me on this was supposed to be one of the most hopeful days of my life, she must truly hate me. So there was also that emotional break in addition to the superstition.
2: I yeah, think, 'cause because up she, until then, her whole lifetime, I think she's been showing her how much she hates her.
1: Yeah, so. <laughs> I was, I was going to say, I don't think it's any big surprise that her mom hates her. I was just like, yep, okay. Yeah, I get it.
0: Keep in mind, she's still pretty young and probably growing up, you know how normal growing up is whatever you're born into, and it's not until you, you start seeing what other people's normal is that you realize, maybe my normal isn't what everybody experiences. So that hatred that her mother you know, displayed for her, she might have just assumed, well, everybody's mom hates you until a certain age. And, you know, it, I, I honestly think it can take a long time and it, it can take a breaking point like that. Like your mother cursing your marriage in a very superstitious culture to really drive it home. Honestly, I believe it. Fair enough. Fair um, enough. So, you know, uh, and her mental health is pretty poor from growing up in, in the situations that she grew up in. And then her physical health starts to go. She gets headaches. She gets seizures. It's likely there from epilepsy. Uh, but she assumes, of course, uh, and this is going to be a running theme in her life, that this is the curse in action. Uh, so she doesn't go to a doctor. She never tries to find any treatment because she's like, well, it's just the curse. Can't do anything about it. Here, I'm just going to, you know, like have seizures.
1: I wonder how much of this, though, is psychosomatic.
0: Well, all right. I was going to save this for the end, but I'll bring it in now. She did have the seizures and doctors later, much, much later... Would speculate uh, with her abusive upbringing if there'd been a
1: head trauma, motherfucking head, head trauma,
0: head trauma when she was getting knocked about by her mother. There yep.
1: it fucking is, head trauma. There it is. Just I, I think they should weld a a uh, a large helmet to your head whenever you're born, and that's just the way it is from now on. <laughs> everybody, yeah. everybody gets a helmet.
0: Now, you're not wrong in that there probably was a emotional slash mental component to it, like something psychological, because these seizures, she was so afraid of them that she would get terrified that she would have a seizure. It would get her all worked up emotionally. And then as a result of that, she'd have a seizure. So,
2: um, Self-fulfilling prophecy. Exactly. Not yes, only that, Sarah I'm well sure
1: somebody her. went to her and said, you should go see a doctor about this. There's a no doctor that can cure me. <laughs> and she went. She went to psychics. She went to a lot of psychics.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, she did eventually. Um, pr- pretty soon here. Uh, but in the meantime, she the problems are just adding up. Uh, her husband Raphael is not doing well at work, and it's kind of in a roundabout way, a little bit her fault, sort of. It's both of their fault. Uh, but I don't think they could have expected this. His superiors were all friends with you know or at least acquainted with the nobility so the fact that he married her when some of the people in the noble class wanted her for their children um, sort of cast a, a, a black mark on his record and he's not really able to get promotions and so it's, it's kind of a, uh, a sucky consequence of their marriage damn shit damn Yeah, right? So when things aren't going well and you're superstitious and terrified of a curse, uh, even though you're terrified also of the Romani uh, people because your mother has given you horror stories all your life, um, you might go to a Romani fortune teller, even though, uh, or possibly because her father is part Romani. So she actually does have some of that blood running through her and the superstition I think was strong enough to just drive her right to their door.
1: I'm, I'm going to give some advice to all the bullshit psychics out there I, I don't believe in one of you number one but number two you have the ability to do some sort of good with your evil fucking lying life here's <laughs> what you do
2: tell us how you really feel <laughs>
1: psychics are, are just bullshit absolute bullshit um, I do believe in psychic phenomena, but I don't believe that there are people like, like you know, oh, the lady down the street who has a fucking cardboard sign out in front of your house that comes in and tells you, "Ooh, I, I see that there's a female person in your life that's passed away within the last 20 years. Well, no shit. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I imagine you could probably find that on Facebook, couldn't you there? Here's the chance you have to do some good a woman comes to you and says that her mother has cursed you All you gotta do just give her some bullshit reason to, to remove the curse go Oh, yes, I I can see in your fucking tea leaves and your palm and the bottom of your foot and the way that you breathe that Yes, your mother has cursed you But here's what you do to lift the curse to lift the curse cut three onions uh sing Ozzy Osbourne's Bad Bone movies on the night of a full moon and then go see a fucking doctor and the curse is lifted.
0: <laughs> yeah, right? One would wish that that had happened, but instead, huh, the fortune teller first said, it actually calms her down a little bit and says, you're going to live a, a very long life. In and hell! Then adds, <laughs> and, and then she adds, not the hell part, but you'll li- outlive all your children. Why would
1: you do that?
0: I know. It's terrible.
1: Just say oh. you'll die happy and loved, surrounded by, surrounded by those uh, that are you're close to. And, and that'll be $20. Come back again next week. Cross my palm with silver. Because fuck my life. I, I haven't got a real job. They, there must have been some spiteful, bitchy, just
0: cruel uh, palm readers out there because not a one of them ever actually gave her real
1: good news. <laughs> not a one. That, and just because somebody wanted to keep them, keep people coming back to them, you know, now now people have to be soap bars. <laughs> hey, spoilers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, whenever they see the title. You know, I'm imagining they're going to figure out what's going on.
0: Oh, I was debating between whether I was just going to put her name in or whether I was going to put that part in or not, because sometimes long titles can be hard to read anyhow, and that's a lot for a title, but we'll see. (laughs) Um, So she does actually have a lot of trouble getting pregnant. It, It takes three years For her to get, you know, get good and knocked up. And then, of course, with everything that, you know, between the curse and the fortune teller and her her seizures and her anxiety, which is not ramped up to 11. She starts having more seizures because of how anxious she is. And more seizures equals falling. And then she has a miscarriage.
1: It's just like the the song goes, more seizures, more fallen.
0: Yeah, that's exactly it. Those are the exact lyrics. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Leonardo and Raphael, they decide they're going to try to outrun this curse or m- misfortune in general um, and start start fresh in 1920. And they keep moving for an entire year after that. They're just basically like doing agricultural work, living a little bit rough. But in those days, a lot of people lived pretty rough and it to the extent that it wasn't considered that rough. And they eventually end up in the town of Loria where Raphael's family lived. And this is over 100 miles from where they started in Montella. And for a while, things are actually looking pretty good. They put down a little bit of money on a house. They get jobs. They even start trying for kids again. And Leonardo actually starts feeling like maybe she outran it. Maybe, maybe she got away from the curse. Maybe distance was all she needed. And sure enough, in 1922, um, her first, their first child, Giuseppe, is born, and she dotes on this kid. He is a, an absolute miracle baby to her, uh, and so she wants to give him absolutely everything in the world, and one way that she thinks she can do that is to give him financial security. She needs money for that, so she starts looking for a job. She wants something clerical like Raphael has, but nobody's really willing to hire her. So she ends up just working in taverns. She has another miscarriage. After that, there's more trying. And this always has another, you know, more psychological ramifications with regards to her relationship with Giuseppe. It just makes him seem like he's more of a miracle. He must be the most important child in the world because he survived. He made it past the curse so he must be like she she thinks this, this is i'm surprised she didn't name him jesus <laughs> uh, Jesus, kind of close though
1: maybe giuseppe? giuseppe is
0: really close yeah
1: Giuseppe. giuseppe. jesus
0: Epi. jesus yeah real quick going to a baby named site <laughs> i'm just curious <laughs> i gotta look this up i didn't think of it until just now but yeah uh Jeez. Italian
1: Sweet. for Jesus. Looking up my own. It means uh, it.
0: God will add sla- or God will add or increase.
1: Let's see here how to say Jesus Christ in Italian. Gesù Cristo. Oh,
0: okay. Well, still, it's, it, it is pretty close. You um, can't
1: just go Gesù Cristo. You Gesù Cristo. You can't see it, but my hand is like up and moving. <laughs> uh there there's this there's this really great joke if i may take just a small break uh this american a frenchman and an italian uh get get captured behind enemy lines during world war ii nazis take the american man in and they say uh tell us the american's plans and they torture him for three hours and finally after three hours of torture he gives up the american plans right So they throw him back in the cell with the French guy and the Italian guy. And they bring the French guy in. They torture the French guy for like eight hours. Finally, finally, he gives in, tells them all the French war plans, right? And, And then they throw him back in. And then they bring the Italian guy in. And they tie him to the chair. And they torture him for four entire days. The Italian guy does not talk. Finally the Nazis just give up and they throw him back into the cell. And the American goes, "I only lasted 3 hours." The French guy "Oh, I lasted 8 hours." And the Italian guy goes, uh, "I didn't talk." And they go, well, "What the hell? How did you do that? How did you last 4 damn days?" He goes, "Well, I wanted to tell them, but they had my hands tied." <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> please continue with your filthy words (laughs) yes yes
0: so uh leonardo finally uh has two girls and another boy so she has four children now she's happy but it doesn't last for long one of the girls starts getting a bad cough she has fluid in her lungs she dies as a toddler in her mother's arms, and my best guess, entirely uneducated from Doctor Google, probably tuberculosis or pneumonia.
1: Poor baby. That seems to be pretty know, popular right? at the time. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Right. So, and then very soon after that, the youngest son—he's been having these really bad rashes every so often, and he actually he dies in his sleep as a baby. Uh, so, my best. The Dr. Christie diagnosis there was SIDS and the rashes were probably unrelated and just get mentioned because it's the only symptom we know of. Well, um, it could be
2: meningitis.
1: Mm. Oh, yeah.
2: Um, One of the big things with meningitis is rash. Okay. All right. I didn't think of that. Okay. Great. Thank you. Um, Amber, solving medical mysteries one case at a time
0: one murder at a time
2: so marcus had meningitis once and um now every time he gets sick he thinks he has meningitis so i've got those symptoms on lock uh (laughs) i bet I bet. Uh, i did do
0: some looking around it was a little bit of a a trek through the internet to find uh that in 1930 in italy uh, 100 out of 1,000 children died under one year
1: old. That's a that's a weird way of saying one out of ten.
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, it's. I, it, I think I have that right. I think I have that right. But fertility was also really low, with only 3.38 children
2: per woman.
1: Hmm.
2: It would be really awkward to have 0.38 of a child. I know. It happens. <laughs> Thalidomide
1: is a thing.
0: So, uh, Leonardo, she is absolutely, I mean, these deaths happen, like, really in quick succession. She's racked with grief. Her anxiety and the curse, it's all just a spiraling horror show living in her head. And that turns to extreme hypervigilance over the children. Every single time one of them cries, she just goes absolutely nuts. Uh, If they're asleep, she wakes them up to make sure they're still breathing, which I have news for you. Just look at their chests. Rise, fall, rise, fall. Okay, we're good. I'm just saying.
1: That could be the demon trying to trick us.
0: That's true. Yeah. When I was younger, my my little brother was born when I was 17. And uh, I have a younger sister who uh, has Down syndrome. And I was always very uh, protective of them both. And I was always also the last one to go to bed. So before I went to bed, I would always peek in on both of them and just watch for the chest rising and fall, rising and fall. Okay, we're good. And um, I think nobody should be surprised to hear that
2: I have anxiety disorder. (laughs) You know what? So, like, I've done that with my kids, where I'll watch and see if they're still breathing, and on rare occasion, I'll actually like put my finger under their nose if it doesn't look like they're breathing, just to make sure there's still breath coming out of their nose. I used so, to, so like, I've,
1: oh, I've ahead. done that. <laughs> my my first wife, uh, my first wife had type one diabetes, and she was on an insulin pop And I used to, I used to check on her, and every time I saw that she was still breathing, I cursed silently, "Son of a bitch."
0: <laughs> <laughs> I also do the still breathing thing with my cat, uh, just with squeak with Hemingway. You don't, you don't need to look. You can hear from two rooms over. So. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's exactly it. That's
0: the sound. <laughs>
1: Me and Hemingway are good friends.
2: I love Hemingway.
0: We
1: miss that he little is guy. the world's
0: favorite cat. He's doing very well. He's very happy that we're here. And he just spent all of today while we were working out on the deck,
1: just rotating what chair he was sleeping on or under. So, my cats right. are my cats are not happy that I'm here. I can look at them in the face and they're going like, "Why the fuck are you spending so much time in our house?" <laughs> so uh, to, to take a real sharp left turn
0: into uh, grief, uh, Leonardo does proceeds to have uh, five more little boys, and they all die as children. And then there's even more pregnancies. Um, all in all, uh, by the time she was she was finished, uh, she would have 17 pregnancies. Three Jesus. of them, right? Three ended in miscarriage, and get ready, ten died as children.
1: At this point, that why wouldn't you just awful. fucking adopt?
0: It's not even that. It's well, I'm, I'm sure, especially with the, the the culture, family line is is really uh, an important thing. It's not necessarily about having the children. It's about having a continuation of the bloodline, which is seen as pretty important. So, oh, yeah, it's it's rough. Um And all of this definitely hasn't, you know, the hypervigilance is definitely applied to Giuseppe. He's growing up, and she won't even let him go out alone. And then, you know, she has. Children, little children all the time. And so she's taking care of them and she won't leave the house. So he's stuck in the house. There's anxiety
1: and, issues. And then there's past history. I can kind of understand why she's a little afraid to let Giuseppe out of her sight.
0: Oh, it- I certainly get it. I certainly get it. Yeah. Uh, then again, I've, uh, I tend to get hypervigilant. So <laughs> there you have it. Like uh, I can, I can relate to that for sure. It's, it's severe. And, and you know, it, she, she, basically, what she needed was, you know, mental health intervention. That's what she needed. But that's not really something that was happening at this period of time. So uh, Raphael, he sees that they need two incomes. So she she says no. She says, I'm not, I i can't leave the children. He still tries to find her something. And he gets her a job cleaning the bank at night. And uh, he'll, he'll stay with the kids. And she goes and she cleans. And the thing is, is the bank apparently cleanliness was not really high in their mission statements so they didn't really spend much money on cleaning supplies so she has to figure out figure it out on her own and she starts making her own soaps and her own cleaners and this this ends up being kind of a talent that she has and then in 1927 while she's at work it's when the tenth child dies
1: ugh
0: you could just see every, it's just so much tragedy and grief and then you add the superstition, you add the abuse and everything and i certainly do not in any way condone what she eventually does but um i can see why her brain got pretty rattled by all these events i i can see it you know it, it doesn't take much we're we're fragile human beings and and the, the brain itself is a very delicate thing That's a lot. That's a lot for one person to endure.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, losing 10 live children.
1: Formerly live.
2: But like, she gave birth, had moments to love them, and then they died within a year or two. Like, that would be devastating for it to happen once. For it to happen 10 times, that could break anybody. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
1: Not oh, Belle gosh. Gunness. So she... <laughs>
0: no, not Belle Gunness. <laughs> so now she is absolutely desperate for money. She wants to be able to take care of her remaining children. She wants access to medical care. If they, if they even cough or sniffle, she wants to be able to drag them off to the doctor. She wants to get away from the city because it's, it's – 1927 in a small town in italy i'm sure disease is kind of you know running rampant in a small town in anywhere in 1927. i'm not denigrating italy 1927. you know like the water wasn't clean all that stuff she wants to be able to feed her children well and to keep them healthy and where does she work the bank the bank and so she's like well they have lots of money at the bank so one night while she's cleaning, she takes a little break. She gets one of the ledger books out. She makes herself a little account in the ledger book, puts an, an amount in that she thinks will will get her, you know, off to a nice start. And when she comes to draw the money from the account, they've already pinpointed that this is a fraudulent account and she's arrested for fraud, so.
1: I didn't really think that through, did you there, lady? <laughs> no, not
0: really. Uh, So prisons for women in Italy at that time, it's a pretty grim situation. They had, they'd actually worked to revamp the prisons for men, uh, but they had just not really gotten around to fixing the women's prisons. So they were basically still just dungeons from like medieval times. So where she ends up is a reformatory that's run by the church for an 18 month sentence, uh, basically uh, under the, the, the nuns of terror, but she does manage to get out on time. And when she comes back, Raphael had lost his job, uh, probably because, you know, they don't want the husband of somebody who committed fraud in a clerical role. His family, pretty much, they they shunned him outwardly, but they do manage to funnel him a little bit of money through other family members. Like, you know, uh, Grandma gives uh you know some some money to cousin gino and cousin gino gives it to his niece and his niece you know runs over and runs up to Raphael on the street and throws it in his face (laughs) i don't know
1: damn it (laughs) i didn't realize italy was this complicated really really all that i know about italy is what i've learned from super mario brothers oh
0: man i don't don't think that's a that's a solid education there (laughs) No. I just nope. I just know that, that
1: that that one time out of eight, you're gonna find a princess in a castle, but it's usually the last place you look. <laughs> oh God.
0: So they have this little bit of money, and they're on the move again. They need to get out of town, they need to start fresh somewhere else. So they end up in Lacedonia. Uh, he gets another clerical job, and this job, this is pretty sweet. It comes with a nice little house and everything. It's not quite, it's not you know really in town. This is good things happening, and she even she gets pregnant again. And of course, with the pregnancy come all of her fears of the curse, also. And so once again, she trots herself over to a Romani fortune teller, and this one tells her in one hand i can see prison in the other a mental asylum damn it
1: damn it right god right damn it fuck you yeah, like bullshit psychics god damn okay. it
2: so part of me part of me has a weird theory about this so what, what says that psychic didn't already know that she went to jail? Like, maybe she had a teardrop tattoo or something. Who knows? But she was like, okay, so she's already been in jail, and this bitch is crazy because she keeps coming back for more. So, like, she just played off of that. <laughs>
1: it, it's really simple. It's really simple. You just tell them nice things, and you try to point them in the direction of bettering their lives. What is this bullshit of like oh on the left hand I see see severe anal fissures for you in your future on the right <laughs> planters warts
2: what the fuck okay. <laughs> okay so I think what we need to do Christy is get a psychic to give Scott a reading
1: No you don't live. want that you do <laughs> I think not I do. fucking want that
2: I absolutely <laughs> want this I want this <laughs>
1: Dude, I mean, I'll go through it. I'm not giving her my real name. I want to get... Here's what I want to do. If I do this, I want to create a false Facebook. I want to create a fake online persona about a whole bunch of shit that could not happen. And then let her fucking research like like Ron Stevenson for a fucking week and, and let her figure all this stuff out. And I guarantee... I guarantee like she's reading for Ron Stevenson and not for me.
2: Okay, mm. but, but what if she, she gets it right for you?
1: Then I'm going to be slightly fucking suspicious. I'm going to tell you. <laughs> I'm going to tell you the, the, the fucking night that I went, psychics are absolute fucking bullshit. And the neat thing is, you can probably still hear this this interview. This This was the night... Do you remember in Virginia? Uh, I think it was like Virginia or West Virginia, there was a coal mine collapse and and the miners were trapped inside the coal mine.
2: Oh yeah, that was that was West Virginia, I think.
1: Yeah. And I think there was like there was like eleven miners in there, and the news came out that all eleven miners got out alive. Right? And so I'm listening to Coast to Coast AM with Art Belt. And he has a psychic on. And fuck, what the hell is her? She sounded like this. I mean, that's honest to God what she sounded like. She sounded like Sylvia Brown. That's it. She's dead now, right?
2: I don't know that she's dead, but my mom actually knew her when we lived in California.
1: Sylvia Brown. Let's see here. It's Brown with an E. Yeah. Sylvia Brown. Uh was an America. yeah, that's her. That's her. Sylvia Brown, right? You do good impersonations if I could pick that up from that. Yeah. So. I mean good well, on you. I mean <laughs> hey honey, how you doing, right? So Art Bell, he was going to ask Sylvia Brown about the miners. But then they get the news that oh Art Bell comes on and goes, Oh, good news. Uh all the miners got out alive. And he go he turns to like Sylvia. I imagine so, because it's fucking radio. I can't tell. But he goes to Sylvie and he says, now, if I would have told you here in 20 minutes um, that all the miners would get out alive, uh, yes. And she goes, oh, yeah, I would have said they would have been found, right? Uh, They would have made it out. And then 10 minutes later, the news hits. It was a false news report. All but one have died. And she, on the air, would not fucking go back on it. She wouldn't say I was wrong. Well, I just said they'd be found. I didn't say they'd be alive. And and then uh, a little while later, she told this family, told this family on a fucking talk show that their kidnapped child was dead. Said, oh yes, I'm getting messages from it from the other side. Kid's fucking found alive five years later fuck psychics fuck (laughs) psychics if you're a bullshit psychic at least do the fucking good and get people's life back on track instead of this bullshit of like telling them that their child's dead when you don't know fuck them and fuck sylvia brown she's in a special place in hell okay getting back to (laughs) the rant that was impressive scott i have (laughs) passions and this is one of my passions it clearly is. Because it's this thing. So, I, I I like paranormal oh phenomena. God. I'm sorry. This is it. I'll be done here in a second. I love paranormal <laughs> phenomena. I, I, I've I had several experiences myself. Uh, UFOs, psychic phenomena. I love all that. But whenever you monetize it and turn it into bullshit like Sylvia Brown does, it makes study of it fucking impossible. Done.
2: Okay. Whew. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> God, I need a cigarette and a drink after that. (laughs) Jesus, Scott. (laughs) That was intense.
0: This episode is sponsored by Podcorn. So we love podcasting, don't we, guys?
1: I want, I want on my tombstone at the end of my life, if I die, uh, I do want to have podcaster slash sex magician on that tombstone.
2: I'll make that happen for you, Scott.
1: Mm.
0: Well, in order for that to happen and to get that podcaster title on your tombstone, you have to keep podcasting. In order to keep podcasting, you need some money coming in through the door. This is not always a cheap enterprise we're doing here. And so in order to help fund these wonderful shows that we bring you, we use Podcorn. Now, Podcorn is a marketplace that connects podcasters to so many amazing podcast sponsorship opportunities. They have host red ads interview segments, topical discussions and more. One thing I love about our experience with Podcorn is I have made so many friends with different people behind the brands and I really feel like it's it's more than just that sponsorship platform. I feel like it's also connecting people, which is really good right about now.
2: Yeah, yeah, for
0: real. <laughs> So with Podcorn, you never give up any rights to your podcast and Podcorn will support you at every step and make sure you're protected and compensated for the work you do for brands. Uh, One thing that I really love is just getting on Podcorn and scrolling through all the different new sponsorship opportunities and finding the one that's right for us. So click the link in our show notes to sign up to Podcorn and start browsing sponsorship opportunities. Leonardo's pregnancy... Leonardo. I knew I was going to do that at some point in time. Michelangelo,
2: Donatello, Raphael. Guys, I like some shit. eggs. I'm worried. I very holy nearly shit. shot rum out of my nose. <laughs> it's
0: Leonardo and Raphael.
1: <laughs> I always waited for the fifth turtle, Grandma Moses, but he never showed up.
0: <laughs> oh, I just made that connection after, like, so many hours of researching this. So, uh... <laughs> the pregnancy is successful and uh she has another boy but giuseppe is still all through this always always her golden child he's her miracle baby he's the one who beat the curse and actually this successful pregnancy only serves to ramp up her anxiety yet again because she's like how did this happen is the universe trying to trick me or something and then give me a second that was a weird burp. Okay. Yeah, was <laughs> a weird burp. That kind of <laughs> yeah.
2: sounded like the uh, magical farting. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. So with the anxiety ramping up, the seizures are back, and she's scared to even pick up the baby because she's scared that she's going to drop him. Damn. Wow. And then, just to piss Scott off, at night she will leave Raphael to watch the kids, and she starts basically forming a habit of visiting fortune tellers
1: motherfucker motherfucker buckle, <laughs> yeah. in. buckle in i've got some okay i won't we'll do we'll do a little side side podcast maybe next week's tiny is just me cursing out fucking psychics we <laughs> sure. could do that for
2: tiny so we could just go on rants about shit we hate <laughs> <laughs>
1: And uh,
0: so, and the fortune tellers, they basically start teaching her their ways. You know, she's popping up all the time. She's there, and she's probably asking some questions because she's starting to get curious about the occult. She starts getting some books on the subject. She's basically searching for any loophole that will get her out of the curse, something she can do. Really what she's doing is she's looking, aside from the curse, she's looking for some form of control over her life. Which is understandable. I mean, we all do it in one way or another. Yeah. Yeah. Just not to this extent. Um, So, July 1930. It's harvest time. And I love the way this was described in the book with basically the whole town going to the fields. Everybody leaves their jobs for the most part. And they go, if they're able-bodied, they help out around the fields to make sure that it's a successful harvest. It really was a very like wholesome community image. And I did enjoy that. It does not stay good for long. There's a great day of harvesting. They make merry. And then everybody does. Essentially, you know, it's, it's summer, it's hot. And we're all going to be here in the morning anyhow. So, Hey, let's just camp out in the fields. And it's just a great time. Until.
1: Until. There's always, there's always a fucking until.
0: There really is. Especially in her story, man. Uh, Everyone is awakened by the 1930 Erpinia
1: earthquake. Here, It's, it's a shame Lepetamine wasn't around so that he could imitate it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> We're really stuck on the magical farting from the old tiny this week. I'm it's sorry. it's, it's, it's it, it, following it, us everywhere.
1: It's a fucking ray of light is what it is.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So this is, uh, Richter scale wasn't around just yet, uh, so we have surface wave magnitude. I couldn't find out what the actual scale is, so I just can tell you it was 6.6 on the scale of something to something. I don't know. Uh, Those articles get very scientific very fast. Uh, And the now, it also was rated on the maximum intensity scale, or just the intensity scale, and the maximum intensity was X or 10 rather. It's a scale of like one to ten, but it's in it's in Roman numerals,
2: okay? <laughs> maximum intensity of X. I thought we were doing a math problem for a minute. Well, you can see the actually...
1: uh, the damage on the foundation over there is pretty severe, and uh, and over here these trees have toppled. So I think we can classify this earthquake as a level styrofoam. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the
0: level ten. There's actually ten. Or there's twelve levels on the intensity scale, and ten is very destructive. This was a bad one. There are fourteen hundred and four deaths, three quarters of which are in their province of Avellino. Uh, but the thing is, remember I said almost everybody's out sleeping in the fields because it's harvest time. There should have been a ton more deaths if people had been in their houses like normal. It would have been even. It would have been so much worse.
1: I'm saying sleeping out in the field uh, while there's an earthquake. I bet it's. Uh, I bet it's kind of relaxing. It's like a little back massage.
2: <laughs> like the magic <laughs> well, she, fingers bed. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> oh, this is nice. Shame about the Johnsons dying from their house collapsing, but I don't have pain in my shoulder anymore.
0: <laughs> well, when she wakes up to it, she actually thinks she's having another seizure, and it takes her a minute to realize it's an earthquake. Uh, there are between 4,600 and 7,000 injuries as a result of this. It affected 2,400 square miles, and in the worst areas, 7 out of 10 houses were almost entirely destroyed and Lacedonia was one of the areas one of the areas that experienced the 10 maximum intensity so that it it, it really just wrecked the town Um, it would be about 40 years before they really began truly reconstructing it like that's how bad it was and plus it's you know uh, what's happening economically in the world hmm
2: (laughs) Mm-hmm.
0: What a mm-hmm. great time for natural disasters!
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I can't, I can't believe we haven't had a natural disaster in twenty. 20- oh yeah, Australia caught don't. fire. I forgot about that.
0: That happened, yes, but don't say that. <laughs> <laughs> You'll jinx it, and tomorrow there'll be a tornado, quake, hurricane.
1: <laughs> God, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs>
0: God enjoying the apocalypse a little too much
1: yes I am
0: so uh Lacedonia of course she thinks this is her fault it's the curse coming to full fruition at last. And I've brought it to all these people. This is She's looking around at this horror around her, hearing people screaming and seeing all the devastation. And she just feels it all herself. Everybody else is running into town to save family members. Or, you know, if they don't have family members in town, they're like, oh, all of my belongings in my house. Or look at their house and see if it's wrecked. Uh, but she can't even get to her feet, which for her is and her family is actually a good thing because the aftershocks kick in they go on for a whole day they're 16 in total and a lot of the townspeople who had run to their houses to save people or to get their belongings ended up dying because of the aftershocks they killed as many as the initial quake itself did
1: wow damn yeah it's rough
0: so pretty quickly after that especially with all the guilt she was feeling uh they flee and they go to a town called Correggio. it's over 400 miles north of of where they were in lacedonia so they're really looking to put some distance between them and everything that happened now lacedonia is in the province of reggio emilia italy obviously still in italy i don't know why i needed to put that um in 1910, the population was 70,000, so it's not, it's not a super small area, but it's, it still, I think, has that small town feel. This is one of the producing areas of parmi- Parmigiano-Reggiano
2: cheese. Yum. I
1: fucking love cheese. Cheese, <laughs> cheese helps me push down the hate for psychics that I have.
2: <laughs> I'm glad something does it for you
1: uh, Right like one, uh, of also, my, one of uh, my favorite meals one the... Cheese sandwich, horseradish sauce I don't think about psychics for like 5-10 minutes
0: <laughs> uh, Also uh, One of the areas that produces Lambrusco wine And balsamic vinegar So you can have a great oh. meal <laughs> Yum mm-hmm. Right mm-hmm. I got hungry just reading the Wikipedia article <laughs> Now, Correggio treats them pretty well because everybody in in the country knew about this earthquake and people are fleeing their towns and ending up in other places. So everybody in Correggio, when they arrived, knew, you know, here are some more earthquake ref- refugees. They get Raphael a clerical job. Uh, the family rents a little house in town that there's a little general store that's kind of like attached to it, but it's an old, it's defunct, it's no longer in use. And the kids actually start making friends and they can spend some time with them because essentially after the earthquake, Leonardo was like, well, fuck universe. You've shown you me your worst. And, and also you've made me feel as helpless as possible. So if there's nothing I can do, so I may as well just let my kids do whatever the hell they want. And life... <laughs> life does actually start to turn really good. She starts to have some optimism about the future. She has these weird conflicting feelings, like this earthquake was horrible and it was my fault and it's the worst thing that ever happened and it's all because of me. But also, maybe the earthquake was it. Maybe that was the final result of curse and I'm free now.
1: I I say if the curse throws an earthquake at you, I'd say you're pretty free of it at that point. But here's the thing. Once again, bullshit psychic phenomena, this whole curse, it, anything that happens bad in your life, you're going to see it as it's the curse. Okay.
2: So how, how exactly many people what happens? Are, yeah. How many people out there right now think that um, it is due to their curse or bad luck that is causing all the unrest around the States? Like there could be people out there. They're like, I'm cursed. And that's why the rioting is happening. Oh, you see it with <laughs> yeah. sports
1: fans all the time. I didn't, I accidentally, my wife accidentally washed my jersey because uh, I hadn't cleaned it for 47 months and that's why the Steelers lost.
0: I'm that no, way- No, Marcus the, says that. Yeah, I'm that way with the Penguins. I I, I can only drink from my Penguins mugs on, on game day. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep. Certainly, superstitions are weird. And it's also, uh, the author, Ryan Green, he did touch on this a little bit. It's a touch of narcissism, honestly. It's this feeling that we are the central character in a story, and therefore everything we do, even drinking from a mug or, you know, wearing a jersey or, or whatever, you know, or in Leonardo's case, anything she did, literally breathing, uh, must have an effect on things that we actually have no control
1: over. So God. Like
2: earthquakes.
1: God. <laughs> yeah. Like, you guys have known me for years. Who would have thought during this podcast I was going to be the voice of reason? <laughs> right? <laughs> I never
2: would have guessed. Right? No one.
1: Fuck. Yeah.
2: <laughs> so,
0: Leonardo starts to have really a life, honestly. She is making friends. She's having dinner parties. She's going to dinner parties. She starts writing poetry. She shares it with her friends they love it you know she'll read it at dinner parties and they're you know they give her lots of applause and this is she's having a great time they have some really good years here the kids are starting to grow up and at this point she wants a little something more for herself you know she's like well they're all going to be leaving the nest eventually and my entire life has centered around them for so long you know and i want a little more so she starts taking a look at that general store that the house is attached to and she's like etsy shop there we go
1: ye old etsy
0: ye old etsy shop um and she starts thinking what could i sell what could i do and she looks back to her time at the bank and you know she kept on making soaps and and cleaning products and such ever since then and she's like well there you go i'll just i'll sell my soaps and this business goes nuts it is just a wild rampant success people are sending in requests from all over as word of mouth gets around it's exactly every business owner when they first start up it's what they dream of they may not admit it they may just be like oh i just want to you know i just want to be in the black i just want to make sure i'm not you know losing money but what they really want is that Thrill of absolute success, and that's what she gets here. And it's just kind of this is this this is the high point, people. Enjoy it.
1: It's all downhill from (laughs) here. And whenever we say downhill, I mean like the fucking cart goes into a goddamn lake, gets sucked into a whirlpool, and straight into the depths of hell.
0: Right? So her friends, through all of these dinner parties and all this time together, they start finding out that she does have some fortune-telling knowledge. It's mainly in palm reading and astrology, and they start coming to her. And to all of them, her predictions seem pretty accurate. Uh, I just want to say confirmation bias. Uh, If you don't know what it is, go ahead and look it up. And then word gets around, and soon enough, everyone in town is coming to her, uh, not just for fortunes, but also just for advice. Um, even the Romani will stop by the shop uh, on their way through town. They'll bring her gifts. Uh, it, basically, they, her soaps are too expensive uh, that they don't have the money, so they're like, we'll, we'll barter and they have many things that she wants. They have all kinds of little you know occult and prognosticating books and tools and, and such. so they they trade her with that. and she starts developing this it's, a, it's an occult library that Rupert Giles would be jealous of. I mean, she really.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Who thought I would get a Buffy reference in there? Harry Price's wet dream.
0: Yeah. And this becomes her new obsession. As we can see, she's pretty prone to getting obsessed with things. And the two constants in her life, the two things that she centers her life around at this point in time are folk magic and Giuseppe. It's essentially. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And totally normal. Do you think totally normal? Do you think maybe one because of the other? The folk magic because she wants to keep Giuseppe safe?
0: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. This is how she is trying to protect her family uh, and you know, people that she loves. And it also gives her that feeling of control that she so desperately wants and that provides her some some form of comfort. So yeah, absolutely. It it, it it's for sure. You know she's drawn to it because she's like here is my way of controlling the universe of beating back the curse and of, of protecting my child so at this point she is now doing more than just fortune telling with all this newfound quote unquote knowledge I'll just do that um, she's making uh, a board of fastened teas uh, health elixirs spells of various kinds especially of course Horse, Scott hit it, hit it right on the head, protection spells. Khajiit has kind of wears becomes...
1: if you have coin. <laughs> yeah.
0: So everything is going great, really, until 1939. World War II is knock, knock, knocking on Italy's door, and Mussolini is looking to get himself some cannon fodder.
1: Have you um, ever seen Mussolini's headquarters during World War II? No. Oh, my God, look it up. Look at that, real quick. It is honest to God. It is the closest thing to a uh, an evil villain's secret lair. Oh,
0: shit! Right? It, holy shit! I w- if I saw that, I would have thought that was from a fucking cartoon. No.
1: So Mussolini's headquarters. Imagine this fist of a building with like this ugly steel like cubic grid on it. And Mussolini's angry face staring down at the public.
0: That is terrifying. Right? Oh, my God. Right? Ah, that is insane. Wow. Okay. So. <laughs> whoa. I don't blame her for being afraid. I, I never thought I would have nightmares about a building,
2: but I think I'm going to have nightmares about a building. Right? It's definitely it's definitely a statement piece like you're not gonna forget that <laughs> yeah for sure
1: for the rest of my life imagine <laughs> having to live in the house across the street from that oh god <laughs> okay
0: so somehow i'm gonna continue on i don't know how with that image in my head oh boy okay so giuseppe you know he's young he has this combination of he wants to escape his uh, uh, very overbearing and also very fragile mother and also there's all this propaganda that essentially being a soldier will somehow be both easy and heroic and i would like to tell you that those things are definitely mutually exclusive <laughs> <laughs> if it's heroic it's that by definition it's not easy
1: we're not Cal L people
0: yeah so he sneaks away and he signs himself up without Leonardo knowing and at first no one you know at first people are like they just assume that Leonardo knew you know Giuseppe would never do that without her blessing and uh after that when they figure it out they're like I don't want to tell her you want to tell her no 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 i don't want to tell the 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 fortune teller that her son that she adores more than anything on this earth is going off to war well why not (laughs)
2: because
0: i'm afraid so finally she hears about it and this this is it this is what all the tragedy and horror the miscarriages the children gone too young the earthquake all the years of study and spells this is what it was leading to. She feels like she has reached this pinnacle of her life where all the all the threads are finally pulling together into this tapestry and she just needs to figure out what it's going to look like. So she goes to work. She is going to protect her child and she's gonna do everything in her power to do it. Now she is talking about death magic and protection spells here and everything with those two according to what I've read, I could be wrong, uh, hinges on the law of equivalent exchange. If you want something, you have to offer something that's equal in value. You can't get something for nothing. You can only get something for something. Something for something. Mm -hmm. Something for something. And the something that she wants is to save a life. So the something she's going to have to give is a life. God
1: damn it. Just raccoons just fucking raccoons. Okay, like, okay, I get yeah. it. One human being does not equal, like, one raccoon. But if you want to save, like, a human being, I'm saying if you sacrifice 300 raccoons, there you go. That's gotta be more at one human.
2: Like, I was really thinking about goats, and I was like, like, three goats, I think, would be equal life forces to one human. Three raccoons in a trench coat. There you go. Now that's
1: just adorable. Three. I'm not killing them. <laughs>
0: Yeah, right? Uh, she also, she needs a vehicle for the spell. She thinks about, you know, maybe giving him, you know, she many of her protection spells came in little bags or trinkets of some kind, but if he, it's something he can carry, it's something he can lose. Uh, I'm sure, you know, any any mother with a teenage son or daughter knows how that goes, right, Amber? Right. <laughs> you hand it to them and you're like, I'm never going to see that again. So yep. Gone. And now she, according to her own uh, statements, doesn't like uh, inflicting harm, so she also needs to try to make the death painless. she she's basically figuring out the requirements in her head. She's, she, she she's making a requirements document for this particular process. and she says one of the uh, the next bullet point is well, I have to do it in my house. There's there's that's the only way I can do it so that I have the you know, whatever ritual I do, I can do it in private, and I don't just have somebody dying in the street, you know. That that might raise a question or two. Nah. Just maybe. Nah, you'll yeah. be fine. Nah. So she figures out uh, she she gets that the, the vehicle question sorted out pretty quickly. She looks at her strengths. She can make soap and she can cook. And Soap goes on your outsides, food goes on your insides, protection inside and out. You're, you're fully protected. It's, it's foolproof. And I really like the way we talked about the, the narcissism thing before, and the author, Ryan Green, he really did uh, tie that together. It, it, the, the superstitious thinking runs right in line with her narcissism that the whole world revolves around her. So, you know, everything that happens in her life is because of this magical war she's waging against her mother's curse, which then leads to, if she does something to beat back the curse, it's justified because it's for the greater good.
1: God damn spells. (laughs) Fucking psychic. (laughs) And this is even worse because she doesn't even realize she's full of shit. And she's drinking her own Kool-Aid
0: she she drinks her own kool-aid till the end man so she's looking for somebody who will be a victim that won't be easily missed and in this particular society spinsters as you can guess marriage very important as we've pretty much established and i mean parents literally paid men to marry their women their daughters you know like that's that tells you it's it's important um and spencers are really cast down in society and not just italy you know like in many places there's a reason we have an english word for it so she falls upon faustina Setti. uh she's in her 40s she's been horribly unlucky in love there were marriage arrangements here and marriage arrangements there but every time her family tried to make something happen it would just fall to pieces and at this point, there's not too many beefsteaks left on the Correggio meat market, if you get my meaning. Um, and, I think uh, so. I never thought I would. Never thought I would refer to a man as a beefsteak, but it just kind of fits,
2: so I went with it. I'm fine with
1: it. <laughs> we'll be beefsteaks if we, I can allow allow uh, if you allow me to call women uh, cheesecakes. Sure. Okay. Calm down. All right. I mean,
0: I don't even like cheesecake, but I'm still down with it. That's fine. Yeah,
2: Fair I was. Enough. I'm. I'm actually relieved.
1: Look at. I that. am too. I was
2: expecting something much worse.
1: Look at that fine slice of chocolate cheesecake. <laughs> you all oh, know God. who I'm talking about.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: So uh, she had actually been coming to Leonardo for the past year, asking for romance help, and Leonardo would try to help her, but it never really seemed to work out. And, of course, and I, just as a side note, at this point, I got tired of typing Leonarda, and so she became Leo. So if I slip, uh, I nicknamed her. <laughs> Sorry. It's just easier. Raphael has been Raph for pages now, I'm telling you. So <laughs> I am averse to nicknaming people who do the kind of thing she's about to do, but uh, my hands were tired. So... <laughs> Uh, so, yes, uh, Leonardo looks at this as fate. Uh, Faustina must have a more important purpose to serve than getting married and being happy. And, oh,
2: bonus, she's a virgin. Oh, virgin sacrifice. Yes, that, that would be good. <laughs>
1: yeah, Why? <not> Faustina. Why? <laughs> Why does that make it better? uh the blood is purer and therefore the sacrifice stronger i disagree i want the serotonin in the blood from all the orgasms but hey forgive me that you know virgin makes more sense than slut (laughs) so god uh, damn it
2: scott's gonna have a fucking aneurysm by the end of this he really is
1: yeah he really is this this entire Uh, all these murders all this trouble, this is, the entire fucking thing is because of bullshit psychics.
0: And a bullshit curse. Don't forget the bullshit curse. That's, you know, no, yeah.
1: I think that ties into the whole psychic thing.
0: Sure, kind of. Well, the curse was the reason that she went to the psychics in the first place.
1: See? The fucking cascade. Be careful what you say. Be careful yeah, what you say. Absolutely. Be careful what you do. Because you go, I, I cursed you. And then all of a sudden, like 30 years later, like fucking hell human sacrifices and people who are like, oh, virgins are pure. Bullshit. <laughs> to, and to all you, you virgins out like, there, thanks for nothing.
0: Scott, I have an important point to make, can <laughs> I?
1: Yes, please, go ahead.
0: What you said was really important that words have power because let's think about this. All these years, Leonardo has been walking around with these words her mother said hanging over her head and she thinks that the power they have is supernatural when really the power they have is fucking
1: psychological. Absolutely. 100%. 100%.
0: Yeah, so thank you for leading me to that revelation along (laughs) with all your ranting.
1: Yeah, I know.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So uh, Leonardo tells... Faustina hey I got a man for you he lives in Pola which was a country and would eventually become a part of Croatia and I I sent him your picture he's totally fallen for you she starts making arrangements she says okay Faustina I need you to give me your life savings and we'll use that to get you to Pola and you can't tell anyone it's got to be super secret and what I want you to do is I want you to write letters to all your friends and your family and explain the situation that you're going off to live a happy life with this man just as you're doing it make it seem as though you're traveling and then I'll get them to the recipient slowly so everybody will think that they got some correspondence from you at some point in your journey and Faustina is like what like why Why? that's silly and Leonardo's just like Well, the the post office sucks, and I just want to make sure the people don't worry. And Faustina's like, okay. Um, She comes to the house the next day. Her bags are packed. She's got a bunch of letters, and she's really just a ball of nerves. And so, Leonardo, being the good hostess that she is, gives her a glass of wine. Be sure to drink it all. Sometimes the poison sits on the bottom yeah she really did like make sure she drank it all she like encouraged her uh and uh so the drugged wine it it doesn't seem to exactly make her pass out she just kind of freezes in place and is unable to speak or make sense of what's going on which is horrifying when Leonardo comes out to her with a fucking axe
2: yeah <sighs> which which technically makes leonardo an axe murderer just
1: saying yeah. true Everybody knows axe to the skull is the most painless way to die. My ass.
0: Yeah, well, uh, first she brings the axe down, and as she's doing so, she says, sorry. Uh, Canadian murder.
1: uh,
0: Yeah. The axe uh, does not actually get to the skull on the first try, because she's not really great with the axe. Uh, It gets the shoulder ouch uh the next one she does try for the skull but it doesn't so much as penetrate as it does bounce around the skull and head and then finally she just starts hacking away she's just going absolutely just balls to the wall here uh she cuts uh, faustina's body into a total of nine parts and then she hangs the parts from hooks uh drains the blood into basins but the butchering job that she had done. I mean she really butchered Faustina. the basin is barely even filled. She's actually massaging and squeezing the blood out of the body parts.
1: did you did you read her statement like what she said in her official statement? Uh, I th- well, I think it's what she does next. Is like, I threw the pieces into a pot, added seven kilos of caustic soda, which I have brought to make soap, and stirred the whole mixture until the pieces dissolved in a thick, dark mush that I poured into several buckets and emptied into a nearby septic tank. As for the blood in the basin, I waited until it had... Wait, 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 wait. Oh, shit.
0: (laughs) No, no, no. I just really quickly, before we jump ahead, I just wanted to give real quick uh, a line that I read in a newspaper article about this that uh, actually... I don't normally shake my head at jokes, but this one I had to. Before we get into the 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 severe horror show, we're only in the mostly severe horror show. Um this was the Townsville Daily Bulletin of Australia. The Townsville. Uh-huh. Jesus in Christ. In the city of Townsville. Yep. <laughs> Uh, she, quote, felled the spinster with a hatchet, chopped her into nine pieces, and kept the change, end
1: quote. Oh, oh shit.
0: I really hated that, like on a visceral level. I, 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 <laughs> I don't, I can't explain it to you. So, okay, go ahead uh, with the, continue with,
1: I wi- the, with the quote. I waited until it had coagulated, dried it in the oven, ground it, and mixed it with flour, sugar, chocolate, milk, eggs, as well as a bit of margarine, kneading all the ingredients together. I made lots of crunchy tea cakes and served them to the ladies who came to visit, though Giuseppe and I also ate them. What?
0: (laughs) I think I might break Scott if I add that these were the same pots where she cooked the family meals.
1: I mean, at that point, what does it fucking matter? You're eating the goddamn cakes
2: yeah and and like i just imagine like people at tea being like these are the strangest devil food cookie i ever had like this is weird irony flavor
0: yeah uh and she used uh as as scott said in the quote it was caustic soda which i i actually looked up i didn't even really think about it it's sodium hydroxide it's lye essentially it's the active ingredient in drano when you combine it with sodium hypochlorite, it becomes bleach. So there you go. There's your science knowledge for the day.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> and the fat, basically, she uses that caustic soda to... She, she uses it to render animal fat to make soap. So she thinks this will work. But it really, really doesn't. It's all slimy and smelly. It's an absolute failure. Um, and, uh, she finally realizes kind of something that you guys hit on earlier with the raccoons and the goats, but the reverse, she's like, okay, the fat went wrong because it wasn't an equal exchange. Giuseppe is going to be an amazing man. He's going to be a hero. Faustina's life wasn't worth his, to which I say, bitch,
2: Mm -hmm. (laughs) right?
0: (laughs) Uh, and so in August of nineteen forty, she has just three months left before he's gonna be leaving, and the clock is a ticking. Enter Francesca Suave. Oh. Uh, she Yeah, I know, I had fun saying that too.
1: Francesca Rico Suave. <laughs>
0: um She is a childless school teacher who she her husband had a stroke, so she left her job to care for him and it... It sort of implied that he died, but I wasn't 100% sure. But basically, she comes to Leonardo. She needs some connections. Leonardo's kind of the woman who gets shit done for everybody. You know, if you need something in town, you go to Leonardo. And she wants connections to get her a job again. And is not one to stray from the past. She pretty much pulls exactly the same shit. Here's a job. Give, you know, it's elsewhere, it's not here, give me your money, write letters to friends, here's some drugged wine, and there's the axe. This time she did learn her lesson and she set out the basins before she started hacking so that she didn't waste any of the blood. And the tea cakes come out, she renders the fat, everything seems like it's gonna work, but once again, it's unusable. And so she's so upset that she tries to grab the pot with her bare hands and she burns her hands and it bisects her lifeline, which is bullshit anyhow. But still, <laughs> it means a lot to her.
1: Like pr- this was a I'm moment. Trying to stay calm.
2: I know. Breathe did, deep breath. Deep did she run back to the palm reader since her palm was different? <laughs> yeah. Look, it changed. What does it mean now? Am I gonna be famous? <laughs> well.
1: <laughs> Now, if it bisects, if you have an injury that bisects the lifeline, it all depends on what bullshit psychic you're going to. Uh, sometimes a, like, a wound does not count. And sometimes if you have a wound that bisects your lifeline, it means you're going to die early of some sort of violent accident.
0: So the fact that there are two such separate possibilities. Means everybody uh, has
1: their bases covered.
0: Exactly exactly yes uh, so she actually has to have Giuseppe dispose of the fat in the septic pit which she had done with with Faustina as, as well and Giuseppe starts to worry he's like she's she's always so careful she would never grab a pot with her bare hands so he's like I better watch her and make sure she's not slipping mentally oh god no, Giuseppe
1: only god. Knew. you're a couple months too late there buddy
0: <laughs> couple, years, <laughs> couple decades um she also has him go to the post office and send out the letters. Now the war is really ramping up and just just Giuseppe. He really wants to get into things. So he's like, I'm just going to go to a bigger town and I'll join up with my regiment a little sooner than planned secretly, of course, but Leonardo finds out. So she ramps up her efforts and she finally guys, she finally has the answer. She knows what went wrong. She had the wrong intentions in mind when she was making the sacrifices. She was being all mechanical and being like, I need to chop here and I need to chop there when really she needed to be thinking about the spell. (sighs) Right? (sighs)
2: Yes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Matching
0: (laughs) size of despair. (laughs) So here comes Virginia. I don't know. Um, I've been doing so well. Uh, Kakiapo? Kakiapo we'll go with it sure yeah virginia Kecchiapo. and she this is i she's really going for the big time here guys i
1: think that last name might might actually be pronounced kachiopo
0: i'll go with it kachiopo okay it feels can we just call anymore. her ketchup yep no so virginia <laughs> kachiopo is 53 and she's actually a former soprano who had once sung at la scala in milan uh which is one of the leading opera houses and ballet theaters in the world very impressive um i read a little bit about la scala and this was so funny um the gallery uh section of la scala that's where all the really the the serious critics and the serious aficionados of opera go to watch performances and one thing that is traditional is uh performers will receive from them a baptism by fire In 2006, tenor Roberto Alagna was performing Aida, and they booed him off the stage so viciously that his understudy had to run in, replace him mid-scene, and out of costume, and never returned to the performance after that.
1: Wow.
0: (laughs) That is some really good
1: booing. That's amazing. That's like booing that scars yeah that's booing that sears your soul yep
0: so virginia is a very nice woman she's well-liked everybody in town loves her she's pretty much a celebrity and she and Leonardo are pretty good friends it's you know one artistic soul to another it's a small town that's few and far between and uh virginia lives with her brother and his wife and uh so she comes to Leonardo frequently for advice and for spiritual guidance and just the fact of her visiting Leonardo that gives Leonardo even more celebrity in the town, which she's already got some celebrity. It's like basically like as far as the, the scale of celebrity in town goes, is Virginia and then Leonardo and then I don't know anybody else. Uh so <laughs> I don't know. Um and Giuseppe seemed pretty popular since he decided to join the military, uh, I guess she comes to virginia comes to leonardo and says look money's running out uh i can't live off my brother for very much longer i don't have much of a future here so i gotta get going uh but i need you to tell me where to go i don't i don't really know where to go or what to do and i need you to to get me a position somewhere and that is the moment when it clicks for leonardo Virginia is an equivalent exchange. She's valuable to the universe. She makes artistic contributions. And she's also valuable to me as a friend and as somebody who improves my status. This time she does make the setup a little bit more complicated. She will basically, she tries to make it a big romantic mystery so that Virginia doesn't tell her brother about it. She's just little bits of info here and there. Um, I really like the way Ryan Green described it, quote, It was a trail of breadcrumbs leading Virginia further and further down the dark and winding forest path towards the gingerbread house of her dearest dreams and, more importantly, the oven contained within. So, yeah, basically, she, she, she tells her, I've got this impresario in Florence He'll introduce you to all the right people. He wants to get you back on the stage. He's got an apartment set up for you. And he she really sells it, but very slowly. And then on September 30th, 1940, all the arrangements are made uh, Virginia leaves her brother's house she gets to Leonardo's and she's decided well I'm leaving town I'm not going to see any of these fuckers again so I'm going to wear all the furs and jewels and everything that I was afraid to wear here because I would stand out and people would think I w- thought I was above them and, and she's I not am as... <laughs> yeah she, she kind of is probably yeah. um, she's not as gung ho for the wine but eventually Leonardo pushes it on her and she takes it and she says, quote, I don't know why you're so intent on me drinking this wine, but if it is important to you, then I shall.
1: Uh, just, yeah, I just sh- don't, <sighs> don't eat or drink anything anybody gives you ever. Like, not even at a yeah, I'm, restaurant. I'm,
2: I'm also going to stop bathing soon. So, <laughs>
0: no, but like, no it, more soap, no more food.
2: <laughs> if somebody gives me like food or drink and then they keep staring at me, like, oh, you should finish that, you should drink more drink more i'm gonna be like this is fucking poison like that's that's the first place my mind goes if somebody's like you need to finish that i'm like yeah if somebody tries to push a drink on me i'm suspicious i'm like you know what, no, i feel like a different drink now all right
1: i'm gonna have this uncracked bottle of diet mountain dew right now
2: there you go
0: So uh, she does her usual thing. Uh, Virginia actually does pass out. She was a little bit smaller than the other women, so it has more of an effect on her. Uh, She does her thing with the axe, blood in the oven, fat on the stove. And uh, the fat still isn't quite right. It's better than the others, but it's not quite right. So she goes to Virginia's trunk. She finds some perfume and she just tosses the whole bottle in. And even the tea cakes t- taste delightful this time. Um, they, were, they were a little weird the previous time. It was a little crunchy. And yes, as Amber said, that irony taste. But uh, this time they're, they're perfect. Uh, she finds... Uh, uh, go ahead with your quote, Scott.
1: Uh, let's see here. She ended up in the pot like the other two. Her flesh was fat and white. When it had melted, I added a bottle of cologne, and after a long time on the boil, I was able to make some most acceptable creamy soap. I gave bars to neighbors and acquaintances. The cakes, too, were better. <laughs> that woman was really sweet.
0: Oh, it's all so horrible. And that, that, that last quote really just sums up the horror show of it yeah. in context.
1: That's terrible. It's a fucking uh, nightmare.
0: It is. Uh, she finds 50,000 lira in Virginia's trunk and about the same amount in bonds, plus all the jewelry. And so she she puts everything away uh, in her closet. Now, uh, oh, God. Here's the thing. I started reading this book, and it starts off with Giuseppe's point of view, and his mother is giving him a bath. And keep Ew. in mind, I would... I was but a babe in the woods at that moment. And then at some point, I can't remember when, as I was like when she was starting to try to make the soap, I had the realization. I was like, "Oh no!" <laughs> oh, 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 oh
1: no.
0: Oh yeah. So, this is upsetting. Uh Giuseppe comes home and she insists on giving him a bath. He's really not into it, but uh he, he's he's walked on eggshells around her his entire life. This has been his existence, so he submits uncomfortably, and she soaps up every inch. Ew. They're so disturbing on so many levels. It's so <laughs> disturbing. And then after the bath from hell is the snack from hell. Tea cakes. God damn Hungry. it. Hungry. Yeah. And he's pretty grossed out by what just happened, but she basically, like, force feeds him and after that day he's pretty much he he's really distant with her he he doesn't he he's freaked the fuck out i'm sure she just thinks well that's just part of the sacrifice you know i'm i'm i have to sacrifice to make his life i already sacrificed three fucking people i guess if i have to sacrifice my relationship and she does uh give the leftover tea cakes and soap to close friends who visit uh and she uh the letters from Virginia, they they do the trick for a little while, but eventually people start worrying when they don't hear anything further, specifically her sister-in-law, who really didn't buy that whole impresario story. So Mrs. Missus Caciapo, she starts looking into things and she's like, okay, Virginia wanted something And everybody knows who you go to in town if you want something. And that's Leonardo. So she starts asking Leonardo. And Leonardo's like, oh, well, you know, uh, I'm just, I'm sad because I miss my friend. And I don't know anything. And I'm not crying. You're crying. You're crying. And that's more suspicion is raised. So Mrs. Ketchiappo finds out that the last place Virginia was seen the day she left was Leonardo's neighborhood. People saw her go in. No one saw her leave um, unless they were looking at somebody walking out with a bar of soap. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, God. I horrify myself sometimes.
1: Like, what the fuck, people? Like, there's some sort of impact disorder going on here where it's fucking hell. Like, this, I don't know why. It is fucking hell, yes. Yeah. I don't know why this one is bothering me so much worse than the other ones do. But this one fucking bothers me a lot. I don't know why. I don't know why. Why is you know, why is this bugging me worse than Bell Gunnis? And Bell Gunnis bugged me a lot. This I think I haven't felt this outraged and angry uh, since the uh, since the Bloody Benders, quite honestly.
0: Yeah, it's a lot. It's 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 a lot of cannibalism. Uh bathing is a really intimate thing you know uh yeah yeah, it's a lot it's a lot to handle it's a lot combined it's pretty it
1: it touches like maybe that's it it touches on all the taboos just whenever you think like here's some rape uh here's some murder here's some here's some bank fraud here's a little bit of uh cannibalism here's some incest why not fuck yeah you know, I think
2: Scott has a good point. I think that's
1: what it is is
2: it's it's not just one thing. It's all the things. She's gonna do all the things cause well, fuck it. Like <laughs> yeah, really. That's essentially it. You're right. Uh, mrs. cacciapo
0: she she goes right past the local cops. She goes to the Superintendent of Police for the region, and they start looking into things and they're like, these other two women, Faustina and Francesca, they also were last seen around Leonardo's house around the time that they vanished. So they question Leonardo, but she's a slippery one. She's like, well, yeah, of course they came to me before a big life change. All the women do. They just were doing what everybody does. Uh, they do some pretty good police work and tracking down the letters to the post office where they were sent. They start asking around, who'd you see sending letters that day? And they keep getting a description of a young man. Giuseppe
1: oh he's gonna get blamed this hasn't he suffered enough
2: yeah right Right? how many of your brothers
1: and sisters are still alive practically none your mom kind of fucking nutty thinks she's cursed your dad and dad's okay (laughs) (laughs) so they
0: start looking at him and now they have enough to check out the house And what do they find at the house? All these missing women's belongings, all the money in the closet. And they're like, okay, so Giuseppe must have done it. He killed them for the money. And as I said earlier, they still keep on, they they badger him and badger him and he has nothing. Leonardo shows up and they just think it's kind of funny until she starts going into detail saying, I drugged them, I chopped them up. And they're like, okay, well, she must be an accessory. They just don't get it. They just refuse to get it.
1: Jesus Christ. I just picture this poor guy sitting back going like, you know what? I just got a, a soapy hand job from my mom. Can we, I, I need to curl up and cry. Can we move this along?
0: Yeah. And if not, I'll just curl up and cry right here. I don't care if it bothers you really. So they're like, all right, well, where are the bodies buried? And she's like, they're not and still they have a hard time believing that she did it so they go and they're like all right let's talk to giuseppe they tell him everything she told them they basically just want an answer out of him that isn't fucking horrifying and they're not going to get it because once they tell him everything she said about you know the everything she did the penny drops as does his lunch he he, the size in this episode are really just something (laughs) they're very uh they're very much a mood um so he tells them everything he knows uh his mother's obsession with the occult the curse she always talked about and finally finally they believe it word gets around town after this about the the suite of fortune teller that everybody went to who had the soap shop and now she's the horrifying witch who turned people to soap of course the soap shop closes naturally as soon as you have cannibalized wares for sale which technically she didn't sell the cannibalized soap but still
1: like Uh, it's even better like in Monty Python at least the guy only got turned into a newt like this (laughs) bitch turned people into soap for real (laughs) yeah yeah it's
0: pretty horrifying to the town. They shun the family. Her children are just like, we're, we're out of here. Raphael, he stays by her, but he he doesn't he doesn't have any idea what to do and he actually it, it, this is this is 1940. it's going to be six years before she stands trial because there's kind of a war going on. He dies in the interim. He basically just drank himself to death and then had heart failure. so and Giuseppe, he leaves for the army and does not stop at the jail to say goodbye. Can't say I blame him. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. So when the trial finally comes along, they have all the evidence and she will happily tell you what she did with all of it. I mean she's she's not shy about it. And at the trial she gives every last detail. and she really kind of seems to revel in it. This was this was supposed to be her big moment in the sun. And people are gonna really figure out and understand why I did it, and you know, the revere me, me, me for my sacrifice once they know the full truth. But it's not, it's not happening. She's she's just getting like horrified stares and gasps and everything, and uh, she'll uh, she'll let loose with body jokes in court, and no one else laughs, but she sure does. No, will...
1: no, no, <laughs> no, fuck, no. She's making yeah, jokes about the people she were. killed.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Or something about the process or anything, really. She's she's, she's, she's loving this moment in the spotlight. Uh, and people will be talking and she'll just interrupt them or, you know, to, to correct them or just expound on her vast knowledge. Really, the narcissism is in its full blast. Um, another quote from Ryan Green. The fierce joy that she'd taken in killing began to creep in. Honesty, at last, overwhelmed the layers of fantasy and self-deception that she'd wrapped around herself to maintain her sanity. Now that she was being seen, she began to unravel. They even had, uh, that was end quote, by the way, they had a coroner that they brought in. He knew all about acids and everything. He was an expert in the field. And he was like, look, uh, what she did, it would never work. And she blows the fuck up. She says, bring a body to court. Give me a body of any age right now, and I shall prove it.
1: Damn. Like, I'm I'm almost tempted to make this work. Yeah.
0: They had to drag her out of court after that, and it, they said muffle her, and I just like to imagine them just, like, gagging her or something. Um, <laughs> it was a three-day trial. She was convicted and sentenced to 30 years in prison, plus three years in an asylum. In one hand, prison. In the other, asylum. I'm yep. sorry, but it was correct, but self-fulfilling prophecies are a thing. Just like yep. the old
1: gypsy woman said. <laughs> So, oh, my God.
0: You guys are going to hate what I'm about to tell you. You're going to hate this. <laughs> she ends up in Pozzoli Prison. And she's, this. of course, this has been in, in the media all over. People everywhere know who she is and what she did. She gets a standing ovation when she arrives.
1: Well, they just know that they've got a good cook now.
0: exactly it she gets a job cooking and baking for the prison fuck she's very well liked there Um, the prison actually is kind of heaven to her compared to the reformatory and she can just kick back and relax she doesn't have to take care of any children Uh, she's friends with all the women she oddly enough when she cooks her little treats for her friends she'll offer them to the guards and strange they they
1: don't really want them yeah there's it seems like like the women who are uh, really nuts do really well in prison. The yeah. uh, the Australian female serial killer—I can't remember her name right now. Um, give me a second. It's kind of Catherine Knight. Catherine Knight. She fucking skun st- uh, her boyfriend alive, and then used chunks of him. She was going to feed him. To his children. Jesus Christ! Right? Now, (laughs) to make things even more nightmarish, she, like, hung his skin up over a doorway, and whenever the first cop came in to figure out exactly what was going on, he pushed this weird curtain to the side and (laughs) walked past it. Catherine Knight does really well in prison she she loves it there it's it's the place where she always wanted to be she's famous she has a purpose uh but yeah yeah fuck yeah yeah she does pretty well
0: there she writes her autobiography called the confessions of an embittered soul which is where ryan green got a lot of the information which he admitted some of it may not be entirely accurate. Uh, she talked about all these sexual escapades she had, and uh, he said, quote, If she was to be believed, then half the population of rural Italy had slept with her at one point or another, the husbands of all her many friends, and many of those women too,
2: end quote. She had 17 pregnancies. I just want to point that out. Mm-hmm. Okay, you make a good point. <laughs> there, One could derive a
0: potential conclusion from that information. Yes. <laughs> uh the book also figured right alongside her descriptions of her actions recipes.
1: No. No. Yes, no. Including
0: no. including for the tea cakes without the blood.
1: No just know
0: on the same on the same page where she talked about how she drained the victims
1: i have not i have a cookbook written by vincent price i haven't made a single recipe out of that because i'm fairly certain one just one has poison in it and it's just the, like the chemicals mm. like the the different way the it's vincent price he would do shit like that i'm fairly certain it's the bloody marys but oh. there is no <laughs> fucking way i am eating any recipe by Leonardo here, the crazy bitch fucker.
0: All right, uh, Scott, I hope you're you're ready for the stroke you've been working yourself up for this entire episode because it's a common when I give you this quote. Okay. Bizarrely, this book was one of the most complete collections of traditional Italian baking techniques ever written, and it's still referred to by some of the top chefs of Italy today.
1: Does anybody else End smell quote. toast? I smell toast.
0: <laughs> Speaking of strokes... Twenty years in, Leonardo has one, and then she starts having weird symptoms and has a brain bleed. And the doctors—I uh, I already, I already talked about the head injury thing—but um, they eventually make the connection between her crimes and her symptoms. She has caustic soda vapor poisoning, which is basically holes in her brain from the acid vapor, and it couldn't have happened to a nicer lady. <laughs> She does make it through her sentence and then it's off to the asylum with her. Uh, She's pretty physically bad off, but she's still managing to like crack jokes with the doctors and such right up until the end, which came on October 14th, 1970. She only had one year left in the asylum and then she would have been out. I mean, the asylum was basically to make sure that she was okay to live in society. And I, I don't know that they, I don't know what conclusion they came to, but. She falls into a coma and dies the next day at seventy-six years old. Uh, as for her remains, they couldn't get in touch with her family, so they and they didn't want a grave uh, because that that would be a sensation and would draw people and possibly like vandalism. And- Turn her into soap? <laughs> oh, hell no. Turn her into soap? <laughs> no, they cremated her and disposed of the ashes in secrets. Now that is the end for Leonardo. What about her children? I can tell you that I can't tell you anything uh, except that uh, the it seems like the younger children had done some informal name changes. There's no formal ones, but they just like in the records, but they just started going by different names and made it stick. Which it was a good time to do that, you know, like wartime in in, in Italy. Everything's chaos, Uh, and they just basically vanished from the record. Giuseppe, they can track through some of the war, but after that, he vanishes. Uh, the majority of his regiment was captured on uh, as POWs in May 1943, but he's not in those official records. So he either changed his name and then somehow made it stick with the military, or or he died, or changed his name and died. We don't really we we have no idea. We have no idea if she actually outlived her children.
1: Well, if she like if she died in her seventies in 1970. There's a very real chance Giuseppe's still alive someplace. Now? Now? Possibly. I mean, people make it to to their hundreds.
0: That's true. It's entirely possible, yeah. Her belongings, if you want to see some of the pots and axes that she used in her crimes, you can go to the Criminology Museum in Rome. Uh, I actually do want to visit that, but I might avoid the pots and the axes. Uh, there have been films and Broadway plays about her over the years, and we have, weirdly, a return of our favorite Japanese stoner slash death metal band, Church of Misery. <laughs> there you go.
1: Finally, some good news.
0: <laughs> yeah, they were the ones who had the song about John George Hay when we discussed last week. Uh, they also have a song on the same album. This was not on purpose, guys. We're not, like, following Church of Misery's track list or anything. Uh, it's called Confessions of an Embittered Soul and they also have one on there about the bender family
1: hold on i am looking up uh their albums to figure out what we're going to do next week
0: <laughs> yeah what's on the schedule for next week let's uh, look at church of misery let's see they, here. they determine our fate
1: let's see discography uh studio albums it's actually hard
0: to find uh i I looked around a bit and i was able to find it in scattered places but you can't find their discography for everything uh they don't have a ton that's in our time periods we've hit most of what's in our time periods already actually
1: that's a shame they've got one called greetings from jonestown
0: i know right (laughs) so that's all i have on leonardo Cianciulli. did i miss anything you guys did you guys hit anything that i missed
2: You know, would you happen to know, because I'm just curious now, what year was Giuseppe born? Uh, let me look. I believe he was born in
0: 1922.
2: Oh. Uh, Murderpedia. Like
1: 1998. I am 1998. That makes no sense. Never mind. No, he'd be 98 years old now. I mean, that's, that's possible. Yeah, he was born
2: 1922.
1: Okay, 1922. So, I mean, yeah, I guess it is possible
2: probably not likely but it's certainly possible yeah it is for sure i mean we have some world war ii
0: vets who, who are still around uh it didn't go great for italy so probably i mean i don't know what the numbers are but pr- probably chances are he didn't you know survive the war but he some people did so he could have and just been went off to live a life and hated this new realm of podcasts because there's like 25 different episodes about leonardo chi and Julie, and somehow i've never heard of her until i l- looked at this book so
1: Will you please just leave me alone? My mommy was nuts.
2: And, you know, I I feel so bad for the other three kids, or maybe I don't, maybe they were blessed, that she did not pay them nearly as much attention. (laughs) Yeah, I think that would actually be a good thing for them. Yeah, absolutely. But, like, they're not even mentioned, like, as far as, like, names. Nothing. Yeah, we we don't have any names for them, as far as
0: I'm aware. She did. She... And of note is the fact that, again, Ryan Green got a lot of his information from Confessions of an Embittered Soul. She didn't write her children's name in her autobiography, except for Giuseppe. What the That we know of. Fuck? Wow.
1: What the yeah. fuck?
0: Yeah, crazy. So that has been Leonardo Cianciulli and a pretty epic episode.
1: <laughs> Looks for like sure. uh, I'm just doing some uh, some research here. Looks like Giuseppe changed his last name to Pensardi.
0: Pensardi was their last name.
1: Okay. She,
0: she, she is known by her maiden name uh, for the murder.
1: Let's see. Giuseppe Pensardi Death. Bear with me for a second. Just doing a little research oh, okay. here. No, I'm not finding anything. Not a damn thing. That's a shame. I, I thought maybe I'd find something with Find-A-Grave or what have you.
0: We actually do have uh, what probably was his mug shots or maybe his army photos when he was uh, one of the two. If, if they did mug shots when they brought him in. But we actually do have some picture, a picture of him or a couple pictures. Yeah,
1: he looks like that annoying guy that sings all the time on, uh, <laughs> on Parks and Rec. Annoying
0: guy that sings all the time?
1: Oh, he was... Uh... He was the one whose Henry Winkler played his father.
0: Oh, yeah, he does look like, um, oh, my God, it's, it's completely. Uh, oh, my God, it's John Ralph, John Ralphio. John Ralphio. <laughs> yep, there you go. Yeah,
1: that's it. Uh, here oh we go. God, Here's, Here's what, what I, I have, have found. found my Here's what I have found. Giuseppe Pensardi. Married Maria Pensardi, born Carlo Magno. They had eight children, and Giuseppe has passed away. He married
0: some—oh, no. She took his name after they got married. I'm dumb, and it's been a long night.
1: <laughs> that's all right. That's all right. Um, but, yeah, he. it looks like he has passed away.
0: Okay. Uh, it doesn't say when?
1: No, it does not say when. Uh, mm. But, yeah, eight kids. I'm sure they're still alive.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's true. All right. Uh, well, uh thank you everybody for listening. Uh don't forget uh we're putting the old tiny crimey's back behind the Patreon wall after uh after this. So, uh enjoy the last one or come over to our patreon patreoncom crimey and check out our offerings there. We're also going to be doing occasional extra bonus episodes as well. Um we've got one that should be coming soon uh where we read old uh, old-timey newspapers and it's a real good time. So, and uh yeah follow us on social media we're on facebook twitter and instagram as old timey crimey don't forget to rate review and subscribe it really does a lot of good and helps us out and we really uh are very excited when people do that and tell a friend tell a friend about this uh, murder podcast uh, where they just uh had rants about psychics and talked about soap people <laughs> people so there you go
1: that's what people we soap. do
0: so okay, do you guys uh, have any anything important to share with the world about your weekend plans?
1: I am going to watch a movie tonight with my uh, lovely lady, Ariana. We are going to be enjoying uh, Weird Al Yankovic's UHF.
2: Okay, awesome, Amber. Um, I have nothing planned. I work all weekend. Um, but there is a possibility of going coal tubing uh, is not very likely, but it would be fun. So we'll see what shakes out. There you go. I'm going to be recovering
0: from this. <laughs> <laughs> I've taken a deep dive into the bowels of hell, and I need to claw my way back up. So, so yeah. Uh, we would like to, as usual, thank you for listening to our filthy words. <laughs> And we will see you same bat time, same bat channel next
1: week. Bye. Don't mention bats in this climate. (laughs) (laughs) Bye. Holy shit. I just found her great, great grandson's Instagram page.
0: My sources this week are Ryan Green's book, The Curse, the shocking true story of superstition, human sacrifice, and cannibalism. Wikipedia, a book on Google Books. The link will be in there. I forgot to put the uh, actual title in and an article on the BBC.
1: My sources for this week are the ever-popular Wikipedia, allthat'sinteresting.com, murderpedia.org, and two videos uh, from The Infographic Show and Rob Gavigan on YouTube.
2: Uh, My sources this week are Wikipedia and Murderpedia.